Thank you. Why don't we say thank you to that worship team? It's just a blessing, right? So good. So good to be back. Um, not just inside, but just back at church. Amen? Right? Man, with all that's happening in the world, it is just so good to choose to, to gather, whether it's here or our live stream. Uh, it's necessary. That's why God called it the Sabbath, right? The word Sabbath means literally to cease, to stop. And uh, we all need that, just to gather ourselves and to, to really turn our attention to the Lord. Uh, one of the things as I was uh, sitting there, uh, worshiping everything, uh, it dawned on me uh, in this new season of doing church together, uh, one of the things that, that we're doing for safety and just uh, for the health of everyone is, uh, you know, one of the things you hear about on the news quite a bit is ventilation. So like I mentioned, the, uh, the doors are open. Uh, the fan is going to be running. The windows behind me are open. What that means is if you were joining us outside, you might need to bring a jacket in. And, um, you know, uh, I was talking to the, to the leadership team. It's so funny. Somewhere along the line, we, we developed uh, this idea that we create church buildings and they're very sterile and they're very uh, climate controlled and we eliminate all distractions so that everyone is focused that way, you know, and then we go outside for a few months and everyone's like, I love outside. I don't want to go back inside. You know, we got dogs barking, cars going by, you know, people walking by waving and suddenly all the things that we were so concerned about uh, went out the window because people just love being together and love the Lord. Amen. Okay. So you've been forewarned. Uh, if you're coming and you want to enjoy fellowship um, because of all that we're doing uh, protocol-wise, uh, there's a, a significant um, less degree of control we're going to have for the temperature here. Uh, for some, it might be a good thing, might keep you awake uh, because it was y'all warm and toasty. Uh, so anyway, j- just uh, wanted to share that with you. Uh, so we're going to do meet and greet. And, you know, again, um, it's a modified version. We're not going to ask you to get up and move around. You know, uh, that's just kind of not, not what we do right now. But you can turn and wave and put a big smile on your face and say hi to someone around you. So why don't you do that for a moment and just uh, see who, who moved in behind you while you were worshiping. Right? And then... Uh, what we're going to do, all of us inside, we brought the cameras inside. So Isaac, put your hand up. Everyone say hi to Isaac. There's Isaac. And right above Isaac is the camera. So we're going to say hi and meet and greet to everyone at home in the commons and on the patio. So he's panning back. So all of you are going to be seen. So good morning to live stream land and commons land and patio land. So we are going to continue uh, this morning. Uh, working through the book of Ephesians. And if you know, if you remember, Ephesians is actually a letter. Okay? Quick pop quiz. Who wrote the letter? Paul, right? Paul the Apostle wrote a letter to Christians in the city of Ephesus and the surrounding regions. And so for the last several months, we have been walking through uh, the book or the letter uh, to the Ephesians. And uh, we're in uh, chapter six. Mark, thank you. You did a wonderful job uh, last week. Uh, he focused on Ephesians 6.10. We'll read that. It said, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Right. Just a, a wonderful message reminder that our strength as believers uh, is not in us. First and foremost, it comes 
from being in Christ, but then daily we look to the Lord to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Again, uh, a truth and a principle that is opposed and opposite of how you've been raised. Many of us are raised to be strong. You know, don't rely on anyone. Be self-sufficient. Be independent. You know, if you need somebody else, you're weak, right? And the gospel completely turns that upside down and says, well, you know what? By golly, when I'm weak, then I am strong, right? Because as I admit my weakness, as I admit my dependency on God, what happens? I find his strength. I find his supernatural strength through the indwelling Holy Spirit. And so we're going to move forward today. And one of the things we're going to answer is, right? So it says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. As we move forward into verses 11 through 13, it's really kind of fundamentally of a, well, how do we do that? And one of the ways that we will find today is that we are strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might by putting on what's called the full armor of God. Now, a little, little framework here. Uh, the next few verses, we're probably going to camp here for a week or two. Um, and we're going to be touching on and looking at what's called spiritual warfare. And if you have been a believer for any length of time, or maybe not, you've just heard different things about spiritual warfare, uh, you know that within the church, there is a broad spectrum of uh, you know, views and opinions about how to handle spiritual warfare and how to handle the devil and demons and whether or not they even exist and all of that. And so, um, you know, one end of the spectrum might be complete denial, um, avoidance of the subject, you know, um, eh, you know, talk about spiritual warfare, you get eh. And then the other end of the spectrum is, you know, the devil's behind every rock and bush. And, and you can become obsessed uh, even in an unhealthy way with uh, the occult and spiritual warfare. So there's these, there's these really um, broad spectrums that you have to guard against. And so as we move forward, I'm just going to share with you uh, what we're going to do is we're going we're to look at a biblical view of spiritual warfare. We're going to stay rooted and grounded in what the Bible teaches about the nature of spiritual warfare. We're also going to be true to the context of Ephesians. And I shared with the leadership team this morning, this is a letter from the Apostle Paul to everyday believers. Okay, this isn't a letter written to theologians. This isn't a PhD thesis statement. This isn't a doctrinal project. This isn't written to, you know, the elite spiritual force warfare group. You know, this is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to everyday Christians speaking to the nature and existence of spiritual warfare and what to do. Okay. So he didn't even go into a lot of depth and, and I'm going to stay true to that. Uh, you know, uh, a series, uh, a teaching on spiritual warfare um, at some point would probably be a really good thing. Um, but I really want to stay true to the apostle Paul because apparently he didn't feel the need to go into every detail. He just kind of kept it at a place where the everyday Christian could understand how to be victorious in Christ, okay? And I, I came across this, this quote by Mark Bubeck, uh, and I think it really helps us set a good foundation for our approach to spiritual warfare. He says this, the believer's emphasis in spiritual warfare must be upon a biblical doctrinal approach to the subject. 
subjective feelings, emotional desires, and fervent sincerity are not sufficient weaponry against Satan. He yields no ground to emotion or sincerity. He retreats only from before the authority the believer has through his union with the Lord Jesus Christ and the absolute truth of the word of God. Amen. You've got to understand that because some people get caught up in a very subjective, emotional feelings, driven spiritual warfare, attack the gates of hell thing. And they really believe that the more fervent they are, that they're going to do something. Well, go back to 610, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. So the most uh, feeble, timid, shy, quiet believer can be victorious over Satan because it's not about you and your feelings and your, even your personality type. You don't have to be the hard charging type a Christian to be victorious in Christ because our victory, our victory is in Christ. Amen. Okay. But what you do need to do is be rooted doctrinally. What you really do need to do is understand what scripture says about your identity in Christ about how to handle spiritual warfare. And then regardless of your personality type, just do that. Just walk in faith and obedience to what the Bible says. Okay. So I, I hope that that kind of helps us lay a framework. So Ephesians six eleven to 13 says this, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. And so in verse 11, we begin, he says, put on. Put on. And in the grammar there, put on is a command. Do it now. There's a sense of urgency. Don't delay. Okay? He says, put on right now. Don't think about it. Just do it. Okay? But it's also interesting. There's a thing called the middle voice in Greek grammar. And it's, when it says put on, that middle voice in the grammar says, it's your choice. God is not going to force you to put on. So he commands us with a sense of urgency. Hey, put it on. Come on. Come on. Don't delay. Put it on. Are you going to choose to? It's your choice. Right? It's your choice. Um, any parents here ever have that moment when you're trying to get your kid to put on something? And there's a little bit of resistance. Right? Come on. Put on your jacket. Ah, I don't want to put on my jacket. Oh, it's cold outside. I don't want to put it on, right? So, so there's a sense of urgency. Come on, we're going to be late. Get dressed. Put it on. Put it on. Right? So this, this put on, again, sometimes we just gloss over that. There is a command. It is a sense of urgency, but very important. It's your choice. It's your choice. God's telling you what you need to do. Then he puts the ball back into your choice, your choice at home, my choice. Are you going to do it? Are you going to do it? And it says, put on the whole armor of God. 
Very important. It's his armor that he provided. Amen? He's provided the means for victory. The armor of God. Now, what's interesting when it says whole, that's where we get the English word panoply. And a panoply is a full suit of armor, meaning from head to toe, every piece matters. Okay, so we are commanded with a sense of urgency to put on everything, the full armor of God, the panoply. Everything matters. Okay, so question for you here, question for you at home, in the commons, wherever you are. Question this morning, did you put it on? Because you put on clothes. But this morning, did you put on, were you consciously aware of the need, command, decision to put on the whole or full armor of God? And I'll be, you know, I'll be the first in line to say, man, Lord, forgive me for I, the days I just race up, I get up and I get busy, maybe have a quiet time, maybe do my reading, maybe even pray, but Lord, forgive me because I don't, I don't, I haven't had this awareness of the need to put on the full armor of God, right? And just a question again, right, just right off the bat, the application, did you this morning say, Lord, by faith, you command me to put on the full armor of God. By faith, I want to put on every piece, the helmet, the belt, right, everything. Did you do that this morning? And if you didn't, okay, you're not alone. I, I guarantee you're not alone. But I really want to ask, and really the core of, of today's message, because, see, in the weeks ahead, we're going to look at each piece of the armor. But if you haven't settled the issue of the need to put it on, the urgency to put it on, the desire to put it on, the next few weeks as we talk about each piece is just going to be wah-wah, 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 wah-wah. Because how many of you remember, maybe it was math, okay? How many of you were in math, like algebra, algebra trig, geometry? You ever have that moment when, when you ask your friend or just yourself, you're sitting in your class and like, when are we ever going to use this? <laughs> right? Like side angle side, 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 geometry. When are we ever going to make theorems in the real world, right? Now, some of you are like, I do it all the time, so I don't want to offend anyone who's using it in the real world. But I know for me, there were times in not just math, but other subjects, you're sitting here like, dude, that's just a lot of theory, and that's just a lot of information coming at me, and I just am checking out right now because I don't see real world application to this. And I think a lot of us, when it comes to the armor of God, if you're not careful, you're going to sit through the next two, three, four weeks as we talk through each one, and you're going to be like, yeah, but uh, I don't know how this applies, Pastor. I, I just don't get it, right? And so my heart and prayer for us this morning was that we would get why. Now, as opposed to uh, maybe a police officer in a police academy or a firefighter in a fire academy or a soldier in boot camp, right? You're like in tune, right? There's a sense of, I got I to gotta pay attention because I'm going to be using this and, and it's going to be real world. And so there's this sense of urgency because it's real. What you're learning is tied into the real world. Well, I got to tell you this morning, understanding the full armor of God, understanding spiritual warfare, it's real world. 
It's real world. And, and my heart is that somehow through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the preaching of the word, that God will open our hearts and our minds to understand that as a, as a, frame, as a framework. And so I'm like, well, how, how can we make this even more real? Because, because here's the thing. One of the schemes of the devil, I believe, is to convince you that it's not real. It's not real. Okay? And so I'm like, well, how can, I, how can I try to create this sense of now I get why I'm challenged? Because some of us, are, you, you've heard me say this, you've heard me talk for like five minutes now, and it's still challenged to make it real. Okay, so let me, I'm thinking, well, how can I do this? And I thought of a tale of two masks, okay? Uh, you remember the Thomas fire? Okay, so the Thomas fire came and, um, you know, it was coming around and I was following it as best I could. And I sent my wife and a couple kids, one, two, two kids down down to San Diego, stay with my mom. The rest of us, uh, we hung out for a while, then we went to a hotel, Santa Barbara, Carp? No, Carp. Car- no, Santa Barbara. Santa Barbara for a couple days. And then we were going to go to uh, Garrett's house. His parents opened up their home in Santa Clarita. So on the way from Santa Barbara to Santa Clarita, we said, well, let's go back, right? And we came in uh, after the fire had, it had passed through, but we came in for a couple of days when it was thick, thick, thick smoke, right? And I had gotten some of these, right? In fact, uh, bring you back a little bit. Go ahead, Eileen. There we go. That's Vinny and Garrett, and they're in, outside of our front. And behind them, that's not fog, and that's not clouds. If, I, I don't know how many of you were here, how many evacuated. That's how thick the smoke was in Ojai for a period of time. It was thick. I mean, you really thought it was fog coming through, but no, it was literally that dense, okay? And so we had these, and we strapped them on, and and then we came to the church, and they were kind of running around, you know, checking it out here. Guy, leave that up. And so here's here's my point. The, the, The smoke was so thick that if you didn't have one of these, okay, this is the filtration one, you felt it immediately. There was a consequence for not having one of these on. Okay, so there was a felt need and a real need to putting one of these on. And the thing is, if you had one of these things on, you were were like, dude, I wish I had one of those. You weren't self-conscious about wearing a full mask. You're actually people probably jealous of you. Like, where'd you get that? They're all sold out all over the place, you know? So at that moment in time, there was a need, a very real need, and so you put on the mask and you received the benefits of it, right? You didn't even have to be told to put it on. It was just common sense. Put it on. It's so thick, okay? So that's one mask. Now let's talk about another mask. (laughs) And this one, I think might help some of you in a more contemporary sense. Now, I'm going to preface this. This is not, I am not going to say anything about where you should land with this. What I am going to say, though, is in the past nine or ten months, with countless conversations regarding the mask, I've identified two core issues that people are challenged with, whether or not to wear this, 
And these two core issues are the same issues, I think, that we struggle with the full armor of God, putting it on. Number one, do I really need this? Do I really need this? See? When the Thomas fire, when there was smoke, you could see it. You could smell it. It got in your clothes. There was this physicalness to the smoke. So there was a need. There was a need. If, if I didn't have the filtration, there was an immediate consequence. So there was a very physical, tangible need that prompted me to put on the filtration. One of the challenges we have right now is that some are challenged with they don't believe that there's a real need. And most of that is because we don't see it. Now, I know you see statistics. I'm not downplaying statistics or anything like that. But some of us are struggling with putting this mask on because you're struggling at the core with, do I re- is there a real need? Is there a real need? And then here's the other thing that comes along with the current times with your struggling. Not just with this mask, but with the full armor of God. Remember, we're talking about the armor of God. So this mask, one of the core issues is, do I need it? The other core issue is, Can I even trust who tells me that I need it? You're struggling with trusting authority. So you're struggling with this mask because you don't know if you need it, and you don't know if you can believe the person who says you need it. Okay? Those are just two core issues, and I'm not telling you where to land. I'm just telling you what I have identified in several conversations. I don't know if I need it, and I don't know who I can trust. Okay? So that being said... When it comes to the armor of God, you might not think you need it. And you might not believe the guy who says you need it. You see the... I'm just trying to identify how the devil might have been scheming you already. Because some of you, I don't need need the armor of God. See, it's the same issue. I don't need it. I'm good to go. And you know who's telling you you're good to go? Who's scheming you into good to go? The devil himself. I often tell people in 30 years of ministry, you have to understand, the devil, will, it, I, it's going to be, I don't know, super rare. And it, I mean, he's, he's smart. He's cunning. Okay. He's not necessarily going to come to you Scary and red pitchfork and demonic and just like scare the bejeebies out of you. He's not going to do that. Why is he not going to do that? Because he's going to scare you right to Jesus. If he comes in your face and you, ah, you're going to find that, where's my Bible? I need my Bible. When's, well, I got to get to church. I got to get to church. He's going to scare you right to Jesus. But the devil is so cunning and trickery and sly He's going to go the other way. Ah, you don't need it. You're fine. That Bible, that's not God's word. You can't trust it. So in Ephesians 6, 11, put on the whole armor of God. You need it? And do you believe God when he says you need it. <laughs> two, same two issues. Same two issues. Because if you understand, and maybe you'll understand more as we work through this passage, why you need it, 
My guess is before you leave here, you'll put it on. Because the truth is, if you're here and you're listening online, you're live right now, or you're, maybe you're not, maybe it's uh, later in the week, here's the deal. If you didn't put it on this morning, you can put it on right now. You can put it on right now. But do you need it? And do you really believe God when he says you need it? These same two issues. Because here's the thing. Ultimately, when you're doubting your need and you're doubting God, who do you ultimately come back to as the source? Me. I become the authority again. And that is the trap and that is the big lie from the occult. What, why do so many people, why are they so drawn to the occult and, and Satanism and witchcraft? Why? Because there's a deep promise of power and control. They promise you power and control over people and over circumstances and not a people. They just reel them right in. Right? You remember, uh, what, was the, what was the core issues in the garden? Did God really say? He knows if you eat, he's gonna, you're going to be just like him. What was the devil trying to do in the garden? Doubt. Doubt. Doubt God's character. Doubt God's goodness. You take control. You eat this. You can be God. It's the same story in 2021. It's the same false promise. And yet millions are being lured in by the occult, by the darkness. It's the same lies and deceit, okay? So you got to settle the issue. Do you need it? Do you believe it? Okay? Now, of course, the challenge would be, right? I mean, the challenge is we're talking spiritual reality, spiritual truths, right? Like, seriously, if we saw demons flying around like right now, how many of you would slap on the armor of God? Like, there's a little demon peering in every one of those windows, right? And you're like, ah, you know, helmets, right? So, so we, we can't necessarily see this, okay? I get that. Now, some of you, you know, I've been in parts of the world on mission trips. The spiritual paranormal world, it is thick. I was in, I was in a mountain city in, in the Philippines one time, and they had warned us about the uh, the occultic activity, and then, man, at night, it just exploded, and animals are howling, and things are, and I'm just, like, physically, like, feeling stuff. But in the United States, it's, oh, it's all good, you know? And so we get, we get kind of numb to the realities of the spiritual world that we live in, okay? The realities of that. And so we have to be very guarded, and, you know, this... Do I really need it? The other challenge, honestly, if you've been in church any length of time, is that when we say the full armor of God, all due respect to every children's minister out there, because I was a family pastor, we tend to think of the armor of God as Kittyville. That's a good VBS thing. And Jordan and Shiloh walk through here with night costumes, you know, and full armor of God. And, and then we go, oh, that's so cute. That's so cute. Look at that costume, you know. And we tend to make the armor of God and spiritual warfare childish and good for the little kids. And that's just another scheme, just another deceit. 
Because as adults, we're in the middle of a war. But if he can get us to think it's just for the little kids and you're fine and, eh, spiritual world, eh, come on, it's 2021. We're about science and logic and reason. Who believes in that stuff anymore? It's all part of the scheme. All part of the deception. Right? So, so I'm going to help us as we walk through this to understand the need a little bit more. Okay? So in, in 11 and 12, it says, Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. If you have your own Bible or um, you know, you're comfortable with notes, that word that is very important. That is what they call a purpose statement. So it says, hey, he commands us, hey, put on the full armor of God that I've given you. That means, and this is why. This is so that. There's a purpose behind him. He's not just like giving an arbitrary command. He says, put on the full armor of God so that. And here's the reason why, right? And we're going we're to look at the schemes of the devil and talk. Then we're going to come back to standing. He says, so that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. The schemes of the devil. Now, the word devil means accuser or slanderer. That's what devil means. That's different than Satan. The word Satan means adversary. Okay? So some of you already just learned something. That devil and Satan mean two different things. Okay? Devil is false accuser or slanderer. Satan is adversary. In verse 12, it tells us that the devil leads an army of demons. What they call... Uh, right, the spiritual forces of evil. So the spiritual reality, according to the word of God, is that there is a devil, and this devil leads spiritual forces of evil. Okay? That's just, you just got to settle that issue based on the authority of God, not me. Okay, that's what Paul's saying. Okay? Now, a couple, couple things you need to know. The devil and demons are all created beings which means that they're limited in knowledge and ability. They're not. They're not omnipresent. They're not all-powerful. They're created beings. You have to understand that. Why? Because oftentimes Hollywood and other books, what do they do? They say it's good versus evil, right? And when they couch it as good versus evil, they make it sound like they're equal, like equal, like good versus, e- good versus evil. Oh no, who's going to win? Who's going to win? Who's going to win? Biblically, God is God and he wins all the time. Amen? It's not 50-50. Who's going to win? Who's going to win? Who's going to win? The devil and all the demons are created, which means they are limited in knowledge and abilities. God is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present. Amen? You got to understand that. Because a lot of us live in, in sort of pseudo-defeat because somehow we picked up this lie, whether or wherever it was from, that the God and devil are 50-50 equal in power. That is 100% not biblical. One is created. One has always been. One is all-powerful. One is created with limited power. And Satan's power only God gives him permission what to do. Remember Job? Right? He does not have unlimited power. Okay? 
And he is not all present. No one knows where he is, but he's, why does it seem like the devil's everywhere? Because he's got a bunch of boys, a bunch of fallen angels under him. Okay? But it's not 50-50. You've got to settle that. Because if you settle that, you're going to walk around with a little more, okay, a lot more confidence. It's not 50-50. God wins all the time. Okay? So, and it says here, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Here's the thing. That word wrestle, muy importante, hand-to-hand combat, folks. Is real deal. This, this, this is, is not some generic warfare out in the stratosphere. He says we do not wrestle. This is, this is real deal stuff. Hand-to-hand combat, right? Ray Stedman says this. The devil is real. He is active. He is working day and night, trying to subvert and undo and defeat God's plan in human history. The devil is our enemy, and this is war. There is a spiritual war going on behind the scenes of history, and that spiritual war in the unseen world is driving events in our own visible world. There is no peace in the material world because there is a war now raging in the spiritual world. There is nothing more meaningful, more relevant, more real that we could be involved with, involved in than the cause of God in this vast spiritual war. The biblical teaching of spiritual warfare shines a spotlight of truth on the basic problem of human existence and human history. So a lot of us get consumed with stuff that's happening at the human level. And the truth is the real war is in the spiritual world. A lot of us got, has been consumed the last year, last several months with all that's going on at the human level. Again, just another way to distract us and take our eyes off of what's really going on in the spiritual world and where we should be focusing our attention and efforts. Okay? And then it says here that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. This word schemes, again, applies to everybody listening to this. Because that word schemes is not just the devil is a bad guy and he's doing generally bad things. That's not what that word means. That word schemes suggests that the devil has specific schemes tailor-made for each person out of the awareness of the sin that so easily entangles each one of us. Here's the deal. When it says the schemes of the devil, he means, and, and this is um, kind of what uh, uh, Pastor David Jeremiah gives an illustration. When the word schemes means, in one sense, the devil has a file on every one of you. And in that file is what has worked and not worked. That word schemes means deliberate planning, systematic approach, use of clever strategies or methods to, desire, to attain the desired end. The devil is cunning. He's deceptive. He uses trickery. Here's the deal. The devil doesn't play fair. Okay? So that word schemes means he's, there's an individual attention given to individual people because they know they watch. There's an awareness of your weaknesses. So their attack on you is not going to be there the same as you. 
It's tailor-made. The scheme is tailor-made. That's why we need the armor of God. Okay? 1 Peter 5.8, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. You ever watch those National Geographics when the lions are stalking, right? And they sneak up on them, and they have all this strategy, and some of them are going to chase them this way, and other ones are waiting, right? And you're watching the elk or whatever it is, the gazelle, and you're like, oh, go, 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 gazelle, go, gazelle, go, gazelle. Don't go to, don't, don't go to the right. They're all at the right, you know? And you're like, you're like oh, my gosh. The, uh, and, and then it's like, oh, the baby gazelle, right? How many of you have had that, oh, right? Because it got devoured. The word devour is to swallow up completely. The complete and sudden destruction of someone or something, right? The devil's not playing. The devil's like a roaring lion stalking who? Yeah. Yeah. Now. Let me pause here and say this very important. We can respect the devil, but we don't fear the devil. We can respect and understand that he's scheming. How many of you have learned now something about his strategy? Okay, we can respect that strategy. We can respect he's scheming. We can respect that, okay? But we don't run scared here. We don't run scared because we are in Christ. We don't run scared because we are more than conquerors. But we also don't run and live ignorant. And we don't bury our head in the sand about the spiritual warfare that we're engaged in. We go, we live, we sit here boldly, we walk out of those doors boldly in the name and strength of Jesus. Amen? Okay, so we can respect, we can understand the the scheme of the devil and the demon war uh, army against us, but we don't run scared. We don't run scared because victory is ours. Okay? Victory is ours. Okay. Warren Wiersbe says this, the danger on the battlefield is that we do not take the enemy seriously and therefore fail to put on all of the armor. So do you take him seriously? Is there a need for the full armor of God? Do you believe God? Right? And this is one of those important things like God is good. And all the time, so he says, put this on, right? The title of the sermon is, you want me to wear that? Because in his goodness, he's given us the whole armor of God, amen? In his goodness, he's telling us what the devil does. The devil's a schemer. He's a deceiver. He's a slanderer. He's our advocate. God in his goodness is saying, hey, church, here you go. Wear this. Know this. Now go be victorious, that's what he's doing, right? Another way to put it like this, right? David Jeremiah says this. You've heard perhaps that God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. That's very good news. But it is also true that Satan hates you and has a plan and strategy to destroy your walk with Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> go share that at Libby Park, right? <laughs> but it's true. We tend to emphasize the goodness and, hey, God has a wonderful plan for your life. You can come to Jesus. Yeah. 
The truth is also that Satan hates you and, and, and will laugh at your destruction, wants nothing more than your testimony, your marriage, your family to be destroyed, and they will celebrate. That's just the truth. And that's kind of hard to swallow because how many of you here just like to get along with everyone and don't want anyone to be mad at you for anything? Even if it's not your fault, you feel bad. Like, I didn't even do anything. Why are they so mad at me? Why do they hate me? Right? Why do they hate me so much? Right? And so there's this weird thing we have, like, like not wanting to be disliked. And suddenly it's like, hey, yo, devil hates you. Not only doesn't hate you, but he's scheming constantly to just like ruin your entire life. Ruin your testimony. And you're like, like you kind of go, really? Gosh. Right? I mean, how do you process that? But that's just biblical truth that you have to process in your maturity. Amen? As you mature. This is just the reality of how it is. Now, remember, undergirding all of this, we win. Amen? Undergirding all of this, we are more than conquerors. Amen? More undergirding all of this, we are strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Amen? Okay. That, you, you got to balance that before you're like, oh gosh, I, he hates me? Why would he hate me? I don't do anything to him. Well, he hates you because you're a believer. He hates you because you put your faith in Jesus Christ and your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. He hates you because you're a child of God. Okay, don't apologize. Go out in victory. Amen? Don't slink back from that. He wants to intimidate you. He wants to intimidate and scare you into passivity. Don't do that. Don't do that. But it's not in your strength, it's in the power of the Holy Spirit, right? And it says that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Very important word, stand, all right? And Jordan, I'm going I'm to borrow. Eileen, uh, let's put up 611. It says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. So why do we need it? Because the devil and his demons, they're scheming against us, right? What's the victory that we may be able to stand? So I'm going to ask Jordan. If you don't know Jordan, this is my son-in-law and kind of part of my house. So, but I'm going to ask him to put on a mask because I understand that. So Jordan, just stand here. So you know, it says in 611, put it on the home of our God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. So Jordan's just standing there, right? So Jordan, Jordan's just kind of casually standing there. How's your week? It's good. <laughs> right? So this word stand is not a casual stand. When it says that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil... It means that we have the supernatural power like a soldier standing his ground in battle, not giving an inch. In fact, the word picture is, uh, in the Greek, it's uh, kalagai. It's the Roman soldiers. Go ahead, Ailey. It's the Roman soldiers who wore sandals with spikes so that when they stood their ground, they didn't move. So when I'm talking to Jordan and he's sitting there casually and I just do this, he just goes. But if I say, Jordan, stand your ground as if, if, stand your ground as if, if I'm able to move you, there's going to be a price to pay for you and your wife. 
Uh-huh. Uh-huh. No, just, just stand your ground. Oh, okay. Stand, okay. stand your ground. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you feeling better, Shiloh? This is the man protecting you, right? Stay, just stand your ground. You see the difference? See, a lot of us are just very casual in our walk, and we're just like, hey, 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 hey. And along comes the devil, and he pushes us, and we get tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. But when we understand that there's scheming devil and his minions who want to knock us off course, but we say, I want to put on the full armor of God so that I can stand my ground and not be moved an inch. See what's, what you know what he's doing now? He's being very intentional. And he's exerting effort. And he's making a decision to stand his ground. And then 6.13 says this, Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Slightly different word in the withstand. Some say resist. Basically it says this, two two armies come up into battle formation and they're facing off. And he says, get in formation and don't you move. Don't you move. You stand there. Jordan, come on real quick. Put your mask back on real quick. And this is why why we need each other. Stand next to me this time. Because see, he purposes to stand, and we're facing off the devil's army. It literally wants to destroy us. But we have purposed to stand firm, not give an inch. There might be a time in my life where I get a little bit overwhelmed and I get a little bit nervous and I start to do this and all Jordan needs to do is say, stay here. And there may be a time in his life when he gets a little overwhelmed and he's seeing this is too much for me and he starts to step, take a step back. He takes a step back and I do this. And I'm just like, no, no, literally, like he's ready to bolt, take a step back. Like he's ready to run. And I'm like this. I'm like this. Jordan, stand with me. We stand together. There might be times in your life where you feel like you're going to run. You're going to retreat. We stand together. Stand together. the way he made it. We both have the armor of God. But we don't do this alone. We stand together as the church. Because we're in this together. The Apostle Paul was writing to all the believers saying, there's a devil scheming against all of you. Are you going to stand? Are you going to stand? Are you going to put on the full armor of God so that you can stand? You can stand. And maybe, just maybe, this morning, it's time for you to say, I am going to stand. I recognize the need. I believe God when he says I need to put it on. I understand now there is a devil in his, 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 devil, his demon army and they're scheming against me, but I choose to stand. 
I choose to stand. That you? That you? Is that you? Sometimes you need to stand. Sometimes you need to stand in declaration that I choose to stand. Now, some of you are like, I really want to stand, but the devil has so you so tied up right now that you're scared of what someone's going to think about you if you stand right now. You, you're at home. If you're purposing in your heart to stand, then stand up at home. If you're in the commons and you want to stand for God and you're saying, today, I stand firm. In the power of God, I will not give an inch. If you're in the commons, stand up. Why wouldn't you? If this is time for you to stand today, February 14, 2021, then just stand. This is your decision, not mine. I'm not going to tell you to stand. You stand. If you're going to say, you know what? I get it. I get it. I am tired of being schemed against. I walked in here and I thought I was all good and I got it, but no, you know what? I get it. Eyes open. I understand the need for the armor of God. And you know what? I'm standing. I'm standing. You can't move me, devil. I am victorious in the name of Jesus. And by the way, I got all these brothers and sisters standing with me. We stand. Vinny, you and Shai can come up. We stand. And you can stay standing. And I'm serious. If you're at home, no better place for you to stand than in your living room right now. Make a stand. If you're in the comments, make a stand. The devil got us so tied up in the church. Oh, that's silly. Oh, you don't need to stand. It's a heart issue. Sometimes you need to be physical. Sometimes you just need to express what's going on in your life spiritually and say, you know what? I'm tired of being intimidated by the world. I'm tired of what people think about me, being so scared. And I, oh, if I stand, what are they going to think about me? You know what? That's just a bald-faced life from the pit of hell. You stand for Jesus. Unashamed. You stand with your brothers and sisters in Christ. James 4, 7, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Amen? We do that together. So you sing this song right now and you purpose in your heart. You just say, God, in the best way I know how, in the power of the Holy Spirit, I am standing for you, Jesus. And I stand with my brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's sing this song together.